American Gunslingers presenting Ubaldi Reports. Hey everybody, this is John at Ubaldi Reports, the one podcast that provides fact, not fiction, on every issue facing America, whether um, globally or nationally. And always with me, as I've got a couple of my good friends and fellow co-hosts, i got Big Bad Joe Bits, Ray um, Krause, and I've got Cody, who also has insight into um, First Amendment type issues. Second. At, well, no, excuse me. Sec, excuse me. Second Amendment type issues. My mistake. And there's just veterans coming together to talk about issues that impact in America. And as always, we're going into a presidential election. And um, the question is, how old is too old? And that's a question we need to ask. How old is too old? Because you've got President Biden going for re-election, and if elected to a second term, will be the definitely the oldest president ever. He is 82, and then if Donald Trump is the provincial nominee for the Republicans, he will be 78 if he gets elected. So, and you, if you contrast the two candidates, you you've seen Joe Biden. Now he came back from his trip to. Um, India for the G20 summit with a stop in Vietnam and then a stop in um, Alaska. And he just looks old. Mm -hmm. He had a press conference, five questions, and they had he had stumbled across those and he had to end one for his press secretary. So <laughs> it's time to go to bed, Joe. Yeah, when he said it's time <laughs> to go to Joe, go to bed. Now, but here's the point. We all come from different ages. I'm probably just a few years older than some of you guys here. And then there's Joe, and then there's Ray, and Cody is, a, I guess, a Gen Z. Now, I would ask Cody, since you are the youngest of the, the group, what do you think about Joe Biden? Forget the politics. What do you think about Joe Biden running for a second term when he'll be 82? And currently, right now, he's just, you just look at him, he just looks old. Well, so one of the things, particularly with Democrats, that I look at is, can I understand the reasoning behind the policies they want to propose? Okay. Um, I may not agree with it, but I try to understand where they're coming from so I can, you know, see what all is going on. So you're more or less, it's not the age, it's the policy. It's the ability to describe the policy, okay. to articulate okay. what the policy is and justify it. And... We haven't seen that. We've seen him failing to articulate what he wants to do, and we've seen no justification for okay, it. Okay, so what are your what are your big issues that you're concerned about this presidential? You mentioned a little bit a couple podcasts ago, but what's your big issues? My big issues are economy and foreign policy, um, because a, a lot of the domestic policies that aren't economical will impact the economy no, in, okay. in a in, in a way um depending on how they go um but the big one especially with joe how as he sits is foreign policy because we've got the war in ukraine that's escalating day by day correct and sooner or later that's going to break into another country and all of our enemies feel empowered by us having a weak leader and it's not about it's not about necessarily the policies that they propose, but their ability to act as commander in chief. I think John's slightly impressed with your answer. He's like, "This kid's twenty, and he's giving up this." Well, but okay, but when the first thing you talk about is the economy, now if you look at what happened today, today the consumer price index came out and showed that inflation 
had gone up again. Now, remember, in June it was 3%, jumped to 3.3% for July. Well, then it's jumped even more, 3.7% in, um, in August. And that has an impact on everybody. I talked to a friend of mine this morning. She didn't quite understand why everything, why prices are going up. Well, because for business, everything they buy, like I used to work at a restaurant. The gloves at one point were like, let's say, I think it was like $30 for a box. Now it's $120 to $130 a box. Mm-hmm. All their supplies from their, their vendors, from their vegetables to their eggs, they went up. They had to put a surcharge to charge the company to pay for their fuel costs. And that was one of the big things that was going up is the high cost of energy. And what does the president do? He limits Americans' production capabilities in favor of Saudi Arabia and Russia who cut back production. And not only that, he releases records and ma- record amounts of oil from our reserves. Strategic petroleum. We're at the lowest level since 1983. On the eve of war with a large oil producer. Yeah, and it, it, it doesn't make sense. But then when he was in the G20 summit, that was an opportunity to get with India to stop selling Russian oil to other countries or for India to stop buying energy from Russia. So that's kind of undercutting the um, the sanctions on Russia. Well, I mean, we're kind of cutting into a little bit on Biden on his age, but we have a lot of other uh, representatives, no, Geo- GOP, and, GOP and Dems um, that are over the age. Like well, we have, we have like Feinstein, Mitch McConnell, Mitch McConnell. When he froze, he had two, two periods. I think it was like a week or two ago. He froze for like a 30 seconds. And some could attribute it that he had a fall, but, I mean, he had a concussion. Somebody's to unplug him and plug him back in. But he's in. still over 80. And then you have Chuck Grassley's about that age, over 80. You have um, Diane Feinstein, who Gave looks up. comatose. But she's 90, and she has her daughter doing her finances for her. We have Nancy Pelosi that wants to come back in. And she Nancy Pelosi's 83. And she's going to run for re-election. But she, if you listen to her answer, the reason she's running, it's not for, well, I want to help the American people. I want to help the poor. I want to help the middle class. She wants she's to get her running. power back. She wants to raise more money so she can distribute that money. That's her whole – and she stated that. Yeah. That's her rationale right. for running. So, John, I have a question. So if we identify the problem, which we are certainly great at identifying the problem, uh, something that I would say that this country really, really lacks right now is actually finding a solution to the problem. What do we have to do to – limit those terms and to limit the older people from just staying in there and keep getting paid we have a minimum age what is it 35 or 45 35 35 yes so so that's 35 for president 30 for a senator and 25 for a congressional representative right so you have a minimum age you've established a minimum age we've never established a a age where we like okay this is the max because a you're not cognitively aware anymore um maybe your time has come and gone i mean we're looking at you know people that were born and raised in the 50s 60s 70s 80s that aren't with today's you know how today works how our society works it's not that we when the constitution was set up they set up minimum ages that you have to be 25 for house 30 for senator 35 for a president. The problem is 
when the Constitution was was founded, our leaders weren't expected to to do that was their only job. If you look at many of our presidents, all the way up until yeah. I would say to the modern era, most of them had done something outside of government. But what you have now is this is on both sides. I'm not trying to just slam one side or the other. But if you look at, I always like to look at bi- biographies just to see what someone did. And if you look at them, that's all they've known is government, whether they work in the state house, then they go to the House of Representatives, then they jump up to the Senate, like Chuck Schumer. He is the Senate Majority Leader, and he talks about how great the economy is and all that, but he has done nothing but once he graduated from Harvard Law School, he didn't take the bar because he decided that my my worth is being as a, a political leader. He went to the New York State Legislature, then he jumped up to the Congress and the Senate, and that's what he's been doing this whole time. And so, I think that's the problem is the American people have to vote these people out, not term limits. I've seen what happened in California. I don't want that replicated nationally. So Justin Martin said after 75, there should at least be cognitive tests before someone can run again. So, but can that be manipulated yeah. after what we just watched with this current president, I mean, well, I don't think and, this and man can hold a president. Oh, hold on. And the previous president, too. Donald Trump might not be the picture of health. I mean, he might be a little bit more cognitive. Oh, well, that's what we're talking about. I, I, no, I understand. Ability. But like, but for a doctor to be like, yeah, Donald Trump, is he's good. I mean, he's there was a little manipulation there. But, I mean, when, it, kind of, when it came to the side-by-side, absolutely I would pick over Donald Trump versus but uh, see, Joe Biden, but you make a good point. Now, just because now we live in an era now where when I was a kid, if you were 70 years old, 75 or 80, you were like, that was like ancient. But today, because of the modernization of healthcare, if you watch what you eat, you exercise, you can be very functional in your 80s. Right. The problem is you've got individuals are different. Everybody's different. But there maybe there needs to be some type of health assessment, not from a partisan doctor, but there needs to be an independent doctor that checks out everybody and say, do you have the cognitive ability? Because when you're the president of the United States, that is a full-time job. Even if you're on vacation, you're never away from the job. Not Grandpa Grandpa Joe. Grandpa Joe works from like nine to five. Now, I'll do that job. Five. But see, yeah. <laughs> that's a long day for him. Okay, I'm sorry. He works from eight to four. <laughs> but see, the thing with Joe Biden, the thing with Joe Biden, Donald, much as people can uh, bemoan this, Donald Trump did take a cognitive test, and his doctor, Ronnie Jackson, who's now a Texas congressman, was grilled for like an hour or two, and every facet. So, but we never know what Joe Biden's cognitive abilities are. So, if you watch, I watched the NATO summit. Um, I think it was in month of July, and they walked. Everybody walked on to take pictures. Well, Joe walked on the stage like my 92-year-old father did before he passed. He had that that quick shuffle step, mm-hmm. like they, they were trying to move really fast. Right. And he just looks old. Everybody ages differently. And, but, but, but we can't say anything because then we'll get hit with your ageist or ageist. <laughs> your problem. ageism. Your ageism. <laughs> you, but the problem is there's a lot of key issues. And if you look at the press conference, and another thing, this goes to Joe Biden's ability. He was a gaffe machine even before he became president, even when he was a senator. <laughs> but now that he's president, 
like when he was in New Delhi, and I talked to a friend of mine who tracks, he works in the media, and he tracks trends. So I asked him, how does the media, um, what is the media's reaction to when they travel all the way across the world to India, and he goes to Vietnam, and he only has answers five, five questions from pre-prescribed reporters, and then when he was starting to ask one, answer one question, they pull him away. So they have to report to their news directors and their producers, and they're not getting anything out of this administration. All we heard, always vigorous. He's does. Chuck Schumer have said this. Bernie Sanders have said. Nancy Pelosi have said it. Oh, he's this vigorous individual, but we're not. You can clearly see that there's. He's just slowing down. All right, so Justin came back and said, why not come up with a written or standardized test that gives a cognitive store so there's no bias? Because we can't actually witness him taking the test. Well, you have to have it. It's cause if there was like a camera on him as he was taking the test and graded in front of because, us. Right. Then by, you know, they were going to they're going to try to manipulate, especially this president. They're going to try to manipulate whatever possible. So it looks like he is a good president. Well, and that's not the case. I mean, and, and also say the next administration is the previous administration coming up they're going to scrutinize every single decision he makes and if there is a flub or a misstep they're going to blame it on his age they're going to i mean so basically we're not getting any help from the media but we're definitely not getting help well but see but this is what you said now going back to your first before i answer that question you can't add requirements to the constitution they tried that out in california saying that and they were rebuked by even the state Supreme Court out in California that you, all presidential candidates have to release their tax information. There's no constitutional requirement. That just became something they did over the last many decades in the modern era. But the same thing hap- has to happen here. This is where the press needs to hold not just Democrats, but Republicans accountable. Mm-hmm. Now, by President Biden, I mean, think about it. When has he had a press conference where it was just free flow? Never. Never. He hasn't had one. Nope. Now, as much as people criticize Donald Trump, forget the politics, he would always go toe-to-toe, with, and he would ask every que- answer all their questions. He would stand in the gallery, in the press room, and answer all their questions. But when you have pre-prescribed questions, or he answers or talks to pre-prescribed reporters and then he says well i I gotta end it now because they will get mad we're not getting the full effect like today the like i said earlier the inflation report came out and jumped to 3.7 the president's supposed to give a speech tomorrow is he going to answer questions wouldn't the media be pressing you saying that you've reduced inflation but now it's going back up again what's your plan when you say you reduce the deficit when the Washington Post and the Center for Responsive Federal uh, Budget stated that now we're going to be at $2 trillion. It doubled in one year. So has the press asked those questions? And like if you, when they asked Corinne Jean-Pierre, watch her press conferences. When they asked her about Hunter Biden, she always defers to, well, that's the White House counsel. Well, you're the press secretary, and now they merged the White House counsel with the, uh, the press room. These questions need to be asked, like Cody mentioned on Ukraine. What's the strategy of with Ukraine? You always complain about, and it's a fair criticism, we're giving all this money to Ukraine. What about us? 
What about the American people? What about Maui? What about East Palestine? Has anybody asked the president, what's our strategy in Ukraine? Has anybody asked the president about, you're giving Iran $6 billion? On top of a prisoner swap? And a prisoner swap. What's going to keep Iran from spending that money on, on drones. other things? <laughs> drones on, to Russia? <laughs> on other things. So there's a lot of issues going on. What about immigration? How are you going to stop the flow of the border when Eric Adams says we need twelve bill, we need billions of dollars, but what are you doing to stop the flow? And when Jean, uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre says, oh, we're doing the most, we've secured the border, we've done better than anybody, we handled a broken system, has anybody pushed back and said, well, then why have seven million crossed the border if this is a, a um, you fixed the border crisis and no other president, Republicans or Democrat in a three-year period had seven million cross. So these are this is why how you hold a president accountable or a candidate accountable. We're not seeing it. So why are we keep on getting these older candidates for us to choose to vote on when like the national age of the U.S. is like thirty eight? Thirty five. I think the reason is it's like I mean Ron DeSantis at that point would seem like a logical candidate because he's kind of in that forty four. Yeah, I mean like I would say if you're like in the ten to fifteen year age reigns, he's under, he's more on like my level of understanding what maybe I want or my representation. But yet I gotta you know, I gotta pull somebody out of the out of the old folks home and vote for them. Well I think the reason is it's the way our, our our political process has evolved over the last number of years, especially in the uh, television era, now in the internet era, where you have candidates, either you've been around like Joe Biden, so you can raise and you have a, you know, a gazillion dollars and you have all this money, or you can be a billionaire or a very, a very wealthy individual. Because when even you run locally, mm-hmm. it takes money. To put you got when you file, you got to pay a certain amount of money unless you get so many signatures, and then you amp it up. I knew a gentleman who ran for state representative in Florida. He spent over a million dollars, and he had to raise a couple hundred thousand of his own money to put in. You run for okay, let's say in California, different than some states, but let's say um, I believe we've got a senatorial race going on in Florida with Rick Scott. I'm not sure who the, the challenger is, but that's going to be almost a $100 seat. And when you run for president, they're spending almost between both candidates close to $3 billion. Doesn't DeSantis want to take a shot at that Senate, or is he still thinking he's going to be president? He's trying to run for president. It's I don't, I, he somebody, needs to come back home. Is someone going to tell him, you know, like, hey, buddy, I don't think it's, I don't well, think it's going to happen, it happen, it's gonna happen this, this year. Okay, but uh, hold on. You know, I mention this all the time. Victor Davis Hanson, the historian at the Hoover Institute, was asked that question, which you guys are kind of jokingly talking about now. They asked him, will Donald Trump be the Republican nominee? Because he's way up in the polls. I mean, by far over any other candidate. But he goes, I don't know. And the reason is people are back in Trump now because they see that he's being attacked. He's playing politics with all these indictments. But then again, will come November, no, um, January when the Iowa caucus, will voter fatigue come in and say, yeah, I like Trump's policies. I'm just tired of the drama and everything that goes with it. Maybe we need to go with somebody else who has his policies 
It just doesn't have his baggage. I'll tell you why that's not going. I tell you that why that's not going to work because if you could get Democrats to vote for a, a candidate like Joe Biden, you know the the people don't they maybe understand or they get Trump, but, but they're you, not. They're not. But I think they're. I don't think they don't. I don't know. think they care. Trump they don't, had an impact. They don't care about policy. Trump but see, you don't know. Trump had an impact so much that he actually started putting in senators on the GOP side. And he that did. he had a, he a lasting impact and also he put in judges. Okay, so I think I think the more lasting impact he put especially on the Supreme Court. Right. He put the three judges on the Supreme Court, but in 2018 and again in 2020 and and then you fast go back to 2022 there were seats that Trump candidates won the primary but couldn't get over the hump. Like there was the governor of Pennsylvania, right. was badly. Then there was uh, Merritt Oz. They think that if there was a different candidate for rubbing in for the Republican nomination for governor, that might have carried Merritt Oz over the finish line. You had Kerry Lake down in um, Arizona. Arizona. So there were cases where Trump did well in the primaries, but a lot of Trump candidates didn't make it in the general election. Mm-hmm. So, But we don't know. We'll just have to see. And even if DeSantis doesn't get the bid, there's nothing stopping him from getting the VP bid under no. Trump. No. That, I mean... I don't see uh, that unless happening. Yeah, unless they're kind of playing like coy, like, oh, I don't like you. Oh, I don't like you. And then they're kind of like secretly, they're like, hey, we're going to work together, right? Well, I mean, that sounds like politics I, I to still me, like, so. I like, no, that, I still like Robert... I like RFK Jr., Kind of being, being no, that would be, be right. that would have been but crazy. You, but going by what you said, what, what I know what that Trump, would be the ultimate uniter of the country. If you have no, a Democrat and a Republican, yeah, it, because you got to remember the, the the Democrat has to get through. I mean, Democrat, the Democrats chosen, they have to get through the nomination process in the Republican Party. Mm-hmm. They get nominated at the Republican convention. Now, mm-hmm. what Cody had said regarding DeSantis maybe being the vice president. I don't see that happening, but as you had said, when Reagan ran against George H. W. Bush in 1980, a lot of people didn't like or didn't. First, uh, Bush Senior wasn't the first choice; it was Gerald Ford. But it sounded like when Ford gave an interview, it sounded like to Reagan and his team that he wanted to be a co-president. Reagan wasn't going to have that, mm-hmm. so he chose George H. W. Bush to be the vice president. And then it really rankled the conservatives when Reagan chose uh, James Baker, who was the, who became later the foreign um, secretary of state under George H. W. Bush. He became the uh, chief of staff. Yeah, and he was one of the most effective chiefs of chiefs of staff. And then when he transitioned to secretary of treasury, and Don Regan went from treasury <laughs> to the chief of staff, it. Um, they felt that a, a, a Baker would have been still the chief of staff. Iran-Contra never would have happened. Mm-hmm. So you'll never know. A lot of times they regionalize it. A lot of times, like Mike Pence. Melania Trump wanted Mike Pence. They want, he, she wanted somebody that had a clean, squeaky clean record. That was no drama, yeah. no baggage. And then they settled on Mike Pence. So I do want to go in. We have two, three gun enthusiasts here in Arizona. No, New Mexico. Or New Mexico. Kind of got stayed. <laughs> Don't worry about it. it the excitement's over. No, what what happened the, to it? Uh, we, well, first of all, what was the question that was brought up? Oh, no, no, no. So, like, in New Mexico, the governor decided to 
um, make open carry and concealed carry, carry illegal, illegal oh, yeah. Oh, for yeah. like for thirty days. But it was her choice. Her it was, choice. It was. It, this it, was my choice. I'm enacting it. Um, she basically tried to. Uh, and we can say this now as a past tense because things have been updated. But she basically tried to use her absolute powers in saying that nothing in the Constitution was absolute. Um, See, to me, that – okay, got it. I know you're frothing at the mouth when it comes to the gun thing. Well, law enforcement didn't even – No, no, I know. But Like, support me, her. <laughs> <laughs> like, at all. That's, like, that's, <laughs> that's on you. But to me, the bigger issue beyond – and I agree that it was wrong for her to do when she said the Constitution is not absolute, including her oath to the con. That is the most disturbing thing because, OK, you take this away because it appeals to your base. But what about free speech? What about what other parts of the Constitution will you invite? You- and that's what that, that's get that's yes. a slippery slope to go. down Because it wasn't just the Second Amendment she suspended. She started to suspend your First Amendment rights, which don't have anything much to do with guns. So it was like but see, your First and Second Amendment really got but, suspended, but, and it was like, well, wait a minute, you but, made that decision. But, but surprisingly, CNN like lit. Yeah, they educated her. her about the Constitution. I mean, real quick, they're like, that- your Constitution, your she's like, your state Constitution and the federal Constitution is saying this about guns. Are you in violation of that? And she's like, well, hmm, we'll see. Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> we'll, she hit us we'll, with the we'll see. see. Yeah, she, she's gonna get impeached, right? <laughs> yeah, she they could do it. Impeachment articles on, but the other problem is, this is what happened during the pandemic. Yeah, remember they took unilateral dis- emergency actions, and they like Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, was interviewed on I think it was Meet the Press, and he goes, "Well, we had to do certain things because we didn't know." And he goes, "No, you allowed certain businesses to open, mainly the entertainment industry because they contribute big money to you, mm-hmm. and then you allow." Mom and pop businesses like this one woman in Long Beach, she did everything she can at a, a restaurant bar that she had. Okay. And then 20 feet across the street, they allowed this rest, this um, Hollywood studio to have an open type of environment. So sure. you well, that's, saw yeah. that's what happened. Just because like Rahm Emanuel said, never let a crisis go to waste. They didn't allow the COVID crisis to go to waste. They utilized it and suppressed Americans' First Amendment and other other constitutional rights. Does anybody notice, and I don't think I'm the only one, but there's a little bit more masks than normal. Like, it was like a lot of masks, and then we like had zero masks for the summer. And then the masks... Are starting to come It was back. like starting to ink in. Are What's they the matter, of- Joe? You create an emergency, <laughs> and all of a sudden they implement tyrannical laws? It's making me very uncomfortable. Hmm. <laughs> like, well, so keep creating emergencies, like I right? Can automatic, I can automatically tell who you voted for just by wearing a mask. <laughs> but they, see, that's the problem is, and there's no evidence to suggest the mask wearing is... Or are they doing it correctly? Are they the people that are actually sick, the ones wearing the mask? That we don't know. We would have to go up and say, hey, you, do you why are you wearing your mask for? Are you Are you sick? And then you're already within real close proximity of being sick, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, see, the, but the other problem is this goes back to how people took an emergency and ran with it. You saw there was no evidence that masks did anything. There was no evidence that keeping kids locked uh, at home was going to solve anything. And now we're finding out, now it's still an al- accusation, there was a, um, a whistleblower at the CIA who was very prominent from what they say, mm-hmm. who's been there for years, 
reported there were seven individuals that were looking into the origins of the coronavirus. And we were told, first of all, the FBI and the Department of Energy said more than likely it came from a lab leak. Other intelligence agencies said, well, we can't be sure. Well, now this accusation from this whistleblower, and he's trying to get whistleblower protection, and we'll have to see if he comes forward, has stated that the CIA or elements in the CIA paid these six or seven individuals to say that it came from a, a pathogen or came from um, an animal or whatever, a wet market, not a lab leak. Mm-hmm. That's dangerous if that's accurate. Because they said before, six of the seven said it came potentially from a lab leak. Now they changed their mind and they received substantial compensation for it. Now remember, Dr. Fauci interviewed these scientists who first said, yeah, may or, it could possibly come from a lab leak. He t- talks with them, and then the next day they change their mind. Is Eisenhower's in this farewell address where he said, you got to embrace science, but be wary of the scientific technological elites who all they want to do is see that government dollars flowing. Did Fauci threaten these scientists saying, if you don't toe the party line, you're not getting fun- billions in funding. Yeah. That's a lot of money. Yeah. All right, John. So how can you go ahead and get a hold of us? First of all, thank you for questions and things. We'll try to be respond. We're trying to do this every day. But you can get a hold of us by going to ubaldireports at gmail.com. That's ubaldireports at gmail.com. Check us out on our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Leave questions. We'll stay at the, to the end a little bit, see if there's any more uh, individuals who want to ask questions. But also, before we... Leave this. Let me let you let my other three compatriots talk about their guns and whatever friggin' heathenistic things they're involved in, and they can go from there. Yes, gun range, standing by, potentially, hopefully soon. <laughs> we don't know exactly where it's going to be. It's going to be one of two locations. <laughs> one, of, one of two locations, hopefully two very soon. <laughs> hopefully both. <laughs> but uh, you can catch us on allamericangunslingers at gmail.com. Uh, website's going to be open soon. Uh, and... We're just going to uh, let it, just inform everybody as we go about the progress through Uvalde Reports and then through our own podcast, which is All American Gunslingers, on all things social media platform, All American Gunslingers. So go ahead, Ray. Uh, so uh, also following up with that New Mexico uh, I- incident uh, that has pretty much been resolved peacefully uh there's been a temporary uh temporary restraining order on the uh issue handed out by the governor um and also lawyers are actually looking into the new mexico constitution that states any uh i believe it was a any type of order that was unconstitutional towards the New Mexico Constitution will result in some sort of compensation. So she really might have messed up uh, big time. So this is there's we'll a lot see. that there's goes into that. Too. So I was stand actually, by and keep watching. I was really hoping for like an F around and find out moment. It's, <laughs> it, it could be a financially one of those moments uh, that, that really do actually hurt her. Uh, the NRA and the FPC have taken... Uh, the grunt work and really started laying out the uh, court case for well, that. I mean, so. It's something to look like we said. It's like you, when she said the Constitution is not absolute, the rights in the Constitution are not absolute, or her oath is not absolute. That's a dangerous precedent. You may agree with what she did if you're against guns, but just remember 
What happens if she said the First Amendment is not absolute or your right to assemble, right to peacefully protest? There's a lot of rights in the Constitution or your Fourth Amendment rights are not absolute. So you got to be careful when you go one direction. It's a domino effect. A dom- so big, big time domino effect. If you guys want to hear more, we'll talk about this a little bit more on our TikTok. So if you want to follow us over there and we will talk to you guys soon. Yeah. Keep following you, Bali Reports.